Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. Did you know that Motormouth is on Patreon? Yes, you can support your favourite podcast if you want. And in return, we've got some great goodies and bonus content to give you. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon, where there are three levels of membership. Become a Motormouth Companion for just £5 per month with our eternal thanks, early access to all podcast episodes, ad-free. If you fancy going for £7.50 per month and becoming a Motormouth Associate, that means you can ask your own questions to our guests as well as enjoy ad-free early access to every single podcast. And if you're an absolute Motormouth legend and want to do £10 per month, you will get an official Motormouth baseball cap, a personal thank you on the actual show from us, and everything else, including ad-free early access and the opportunity to ask a question. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon or follow the links in the detail of this podcast. Your support means everything to us and keeps us going, so thank you. Before we kick off with today's guest, we must tell you about our Season 5 sponsors and the great team over at Motus One. Sponsors are vital for our survival and ensure we can continue to bring you interviews with the biggest names in racing. So if you or your company require event transportation, Dana and his team at Motus One has you covered anywhere in the world. From a single chauffeur-driven sedan to a fleet of luxury SUVs, Teslas or motor coaches, find your transportation solution with Motus One. With offices worldwide, including the Middle East, Europe and Africa, they can support your transportation needs regardless of your location. Motus One is committed to world-class service at the best possible rates to ensure your event goes without a hitch. Contact them at motusone.com. We'll put all their social links in the podcast description. And a massive thanks to Dana, their CEO and founder, for having faith in our show and joining us for Season 5. Now, 
on with today's episode. This week on the Motormouth Podcast, the finale for season five. We thought we'd push the boat out and invite not just one, but two guests on the show. A double whammy, and it was an absolute treat to be joined by two very important members of the Neo 333 Formula E team in the form of team principal Christian Silk and his newly employed driver for this year's campaign, Tom Blomqvist, lifting the lid on their careers, the future prospects of the team, and some questionable quiz tactics. Thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger and enjoy. Hello everyone, Tim Sylvie here. Now before we introduce today's guests, I need to head from leafy Bedfordshire to an equally leafy part of Essex to bring in the motorsport aficionado that is of course Harry Benjamin. How are you my friend? I'm very well, Tim. Thank you very much. Well, this is our first show back after sort of the Christmas New Year break, isn't it? And uh, yeah. although it's generally been filled with a bit of dread um, and we now are in lockdown in the UK, I'm feeling kind of positive. Yeah. We're trying to. Yeah, I'm, How feeling, about you? I'm feeling positive too. I mean, we, 2021 feels like it's going to be a big year for us. I, I'm excited. And, you know, in spite of the, the, the dramas going on around the world with coronavirus, we've got loads of exciting plans, yeah. which will all be released soon um, with different race teams and events um, and loads of stuff I'm dying to talk about but can't yet. So all will become clear, people, and there's an opportunity for um, our listeners, um, the UK-based ones anyway, to get involved in one of our events coming up soon in... Uh, in well, near Silverstone, we'll leave it at that for now, and um, and and details will be released in due course. But, Such a um, tease! I know, terrible tease. Now, anyway, shall I introduce today's guests? Oh, I think so. Yes, plural. Plural. So it's a, it's a double whammy. Something we we ha- we've done once before with the guys at Veloce Racing, but this is a first for us. So not one guest, but two. The first, Tom Blancvist, a rapidly rising star of the track, born in the UK before moving to New Zealand. He's the son of legendary rally star Stig. His decorated career has taken him all over the world, competing in the likes of FIA Formula Three, Harry's favourite series over at DTM, endurance racing, sports cars, the incredible Bathurst twelve hour race. And this year, after cutting his teeth with Andretti and Jaguar Racing, he's now a full-blown Formula E racer for Neo 333 Racing. And his boss is conveniently our second interviewee, Mr. Christian Silk. Christian joined Neo at the start of Season 3 to lead the race and test engineering department following many years in Formula 1, where he enjoyed roles with the likes of Renault, my old favourites, Marussia and Williams. He's now the all-important team principal, the big boss at the Chinese Formula E outfit. It's our pleasure to have them both here tom christian welcome to the motormouth podcast thanks guys thanks for the big up <laughs> <laughs> hope all the uh, uh, we got everything in there i'm sure if we missed anything we will end up covering it at some point um first of all tom let's kick off with you shall we first and yeah. just do a, a bit of a you know a, a general question that we always ask which is you know this well 2020 at least and as we go into 2021 it's I don't think any of us have really experienced anything quite like it really how's it been from from your point of view how have you got yourself through it all with you know racing and work and then your personal life as well yeah I mean you touched on touched on it pretty pretty clearly there I mean it's these times are like unprecedented I guess um, especially in my lifetime I'm sure most of yours as well I mean, I, I would say, you know, when this whole thing kicked off, um, I was up in Europe, you know, the season will start to, to get underway. I'd just joined a new, um, you know, new program for the year, actually. I'd moved across from BMW to join um, our motorsport in a, with an, you know, an Aston program starting in sports cars and then hopefully that would evolve into something else. And then Corona hit. Um, 
and that put a roadblock there straight away. You know, fortunately for me, I've got family in New Zealand. You know, you guys touched on it as well. Um, I grew up there. My mum still lives there. And I made a, well, we made a split decision back in March to basically shoot off there. And um, I think it was probably the best decision that I made um, because, you know, we got back to New Zealand in, in the end of March. Um, we were in like a super strict lockdown for about four or five weeks. And then basically from that moment on, it was back to normal again in New Zealand. And I mean, I stayed down there for until the end of July. So I got a good three, four months, um, you know, back home, which I haven't actually had to spend that time in New Zealand since I was about, well, since I left in 2009. So to start my career, well, to progress my career in, in formula racing. I mean, so it was, it was quite, it was strange. Um, but in a way it was, it was somewhat nice because uh, I, in these last, you know, 10 years that I've, um, or 11 years now that I've been, let's say, competing, racing up in Europe, it's like the only time that I've felt like I've actually, like there's been a break, you know. Yeah, Obviously, no one wished that upon anyone. But at the same time, you know, we're in a, in a sport that is, um, you know, it's a high-pressure environment. Um, you're kind of full go all the time. So knowing that, like, everyone was kind of in a similar situation, it was it was a nice little refreshment yeah. to a degree. And, and New mean, Zealand have dealt with it particularly well. I've got a brother and sister um, out there, one in Christchurch, one in Auckland. And um, I know it's a nice, relatively isolated place, so it might be slightly differently affected to other countries. But they seem to have dealt with it incredibly well. And their their quality of life at the moment is fantastic. They're they're on holiday in New Zealand with their family, just traveling around a bit, having a great time. I know it's it's incredible because I mean at the beginning everyone thought, oh, you know, it's overkill. Um, you know, we're getting like three cases. We're in a massive lockdown. Everyone was like, you know, there was two sides. There was the one side that saying, yeah, we're doing a great job. And the other side that was, was kind of like, it's, you know, massively blown out of proportion. Yeah. And it's a bit of an overkill. Looking at the situation now, I think they, <laughs> they nailed it. Because yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the last six months, they've been living like, and <laughs> the only one of the only countries probably in the world that's just living like nothing ever existed. Um, and this was all a distant memory. So it's um yeah I get I get mad FOMO when I check on you know on the social channels and whatnot yeah. and everyone's having a great time and we're up here just basically living like monks you know it's it's mm. it's uh, uh, I bet. moving over to Christian are you in the UK yeah I'm I'm based in Oxford oh so just... you're you're with the rest of us locked down yeah <laughs> yes I'm locked down. <laughs> I have to say, I, I mean, I echo Tom's comments a bit, really. It's because we travel so much for our industry and we're always bombing around the world. And I, I, I started traveling in 88. I've quite enjoyed the time at home. Now, I've got three children. It's been really nice to spend the time with my children. It's really been really nice to spend the time bet, with my wife. Yeah. Although we're driving each other slightly nuts now, but it, it's been good to spend time with the family. And, and I'm lucky. Oxfordshire's lovely. You know, I've just been for a walk in the woods. The woods are gorgeous. And, and I've spent a lot of time watching the wildlife while I've been doing Zoom meetings. So there's, it, it's been, it's strange because on one side, it's, that's been good. It's been nice. It's been quality time. And then the other side, I think everyone has, has got a, a hard story to tell at the moment as well. We've all been touched by it. So I'd yeah. be very surprised if not everyone on the planet has been touched by something bad now. So it, it's a really strange situation. You almost feel guilty by thinking, well, it hasn't been too bad for me. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of time. And, and I mean, Tom said that he hasn't experienced anything like this in his lifetime. I know I'm a lot older than you, Tom, but I haven't either, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed I mean, that dig, okay. Through the war, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think anyone, you know, my 
to talk to your mother-in-law, my, you know, your parents. No, no one's been through anything like this. It's, it's uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, we, we took the decision not to travel and it was a good decision for us. You know, we're lucky. We're in a good position to be in. You know, I know my niece is at home in a single bedroom flat in London looking after young children. That's tough. I, it's I really tough. Yeah. yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, they, I, they say we're all in the same boat. I think we're all in the same storm, but we're in very different sized boats at the moment. Yes, very, I think that's the... Very yeah. good way of putting it, I think. I mean, mm. uh, we've got a tiny garden, but it's grass and the kids can go out and run about. You know, you, I really feel for the people that I work with who are, like you say, in a, in a one-bedroom apartment somewhere with no outdoor yeah. space whatsoever. You know, mental health-wise, yeah. it's it's really not great. Um, yeah. Well, let's, um, let, let's, let's lift the mood slightly and... and put COVID in the bin for a little while. Um, yay. Um, Tom, you, I guess you were always destined for motorsport. Your father, as we know, very big name in rallying. It, was it always on the cards that you were going to be a racing driver? And how come you're not a rally driver? I think, yeah, it was inevitable, I would say, from a very early age. More so because, you know, I, I grew up in the UK until I was seven. And we had like a, you know, a bit of land in the countryside uh, close to Stansted Airport. And I just remember like, you know, for whatever reason, like sometimes dad would have like rally cars at our place, like in, because we had this massive barn, you know, and we had, like there was all sorts of stuff in there from now, from time to time. And, you know, we had tractors and I think it was three, I was three years old. He bought um, my first like quad bike, you know, one of those typical classic 50cc, the white and blue ones and then the yellow and blue ones. Yeah. I think everyone had those as a kid. Um but yeah, I mean, three years old, I had my first quad bike. You know, I remember sitting on his lap, driving the tractor in the ga- in the in the fields. Um, you know, sitting driving the driveway. Uh, you know, sitting on the lap, driving driving up to the house in the driveway. And I think it was just kind of a knock on effect of of the fact that you know that's kind of what my father knew as well. Um, you know, he's he grew up in motor- well, not grew up in motorsport, but you know, he was is heavily involved in motorsport, obviously. <laughs> And I think it was kind of all he knew. So I remember, you know, when he would go away for a bit, he'd come home. He'd come home with like, a, you know, toy cars. You know, I wouldn't come home with something else, you know. It was always like, that was just what he knew. And I think it just kind of evolved, you know, after a while. And that's when you're just in that environment, you see it and you just want to do it. And I mean, I, since, you know, since, as, since I was old enough to walk and talk and, you know, anything. I mean, it was just everything I had was cars, 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 cars. So I think it was inevitable. Um, funnily enough, though, my first, you know, I, what I enjoyed most was actually like playing in the mud and going sideways. And it was actually, I nearly started racing um, like quad bikes, like ATV, um, which was when I first moved out to New Zealand. Because when I was in the countryside, you know, I used to play around in the mud on my quad bike, uh, remote control cars, always had rally cars. Um, moved to New Zealand and basically nearly started racing quad bikes. It wasn't until like, because my father, my mum and dad split up, um, which is why I moved to New Zealand um, with my mum. Dad used to come over, and it wasn't literally until one afternoon after school. Um, dad and I got a younger brother. We went down to a local go-kart track. It was just like a random school day. And um, there was, a, I think, two families there testing. And, I mean, the fathers recognised my dad. And just, you know, they started getting chats, started to, to chat, basically. And next thing you know, these, this family had offered me and my little brother a go in their go-kart. And we had a go in their go-kart. I think like two days later, we bought our own one. And, and uh, it basically started from there. And I, I would say more than anything, it was just a case of, 
because I started go-karts, um, started racing. You know, my dad had done rallying, so I wasn't like, I don't know, it just kind of swayed. Like, I, like was I there an overall racing? Was there an overall big ambition? Because naturally, obviously, back then, F- Formula E wasn't around. That wasn't an option. But obviously, no. Formula One was there. Was that always, you know, were you a fan of it? Were you watching it? And was that where you wanted to go? Or were you just, as you sort of allude to, just kind of seeing what happened? I think, you know, most people say that, like, they say, you know, a lot of people would say, no, you know, it was just supposed to be fun. And then, you know, like, I never saw this becoming a profession. Um I think in my case, it was different because I'd seen, you know, my father had done it, mm. right? And, like, that was his, his profession. That was his career. And from a very early age, for me, that's what I wanted to do. It wasn't a case of, you know, go-kart. We just started go-karting. I mean, yes, it was fun. But I always had the ambition to turn it into, you know, a living, a lifestyle. Mm. Um, and I had, honestly, I had that ambition from a very early age. And, I mean, unfortunately... <laughs> You know, I was the older one. My brother was younger. We don't both started karting. Um, but he's, you know, he's working at home in, in New Zealand. Um, you know, I was one lucky enough, let's say, or fortunate enough to, to get that, you know, kind of shot over in Europe early and, and made it kind of count. Before we, we move on to Formula E, I, I, this is for Harry's benefit, really, because <laughs> there's there's two things that Harry is obsessed with. One is Paul DeResta, and it's become an unhealthy obsession, and really he needs to see somebody about it. And, and oh, the, the second is is DTM. So it's obviously a favourite here of Harry's and a favourite of ours. <laughs> yeah. How did that opportunity come about, and what was it like racing, racing in that series? And I just stress, it's not a weird obsession. I'm just, just an admirer. Yeah, it is. I just, <laughs> just think he, he, had, he should have had a better shot in F1 than he did. But then again, he did get, actually get a shot in F1. But yeah, as Tim has said, I'm a bit of a DTM fan. I, I, I've noticed in the last couple of years, I think everyone has, that it's it's been struggling. And and now obviously for, for next season, you know, there is a bit of a rebrand, new cars, new new teams. They've obviously lost um, Mercedes a couple of years ago and um, uh, Audi, oh no, BMW as well. So when you were there, you know, how's it? how did you see the series and, and how do you look back at your time in the DTM and, and where do you see it going forwards? Well, firstly, um, you know, my, my last season in single-seaters was 2014. Um I was, you know, together, I was at Carlin, um, and it was a really tough year. Uh, I think, you know, Esteban Ocon, uh, he won the championship. Um, I was second, and then Verstappen was was third. I mean, there was the likes of, you know, Rosenquist, Felix Rosenquist, Lucas Auer, Antonio Giovinazzi. I mean, this field was, was stacked Some, yeah, top year. names, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was properly stacked that year. Um, and basically, on the back end of that, um, I was approached by... BMW if I wanted to do like a shootout for for a kind of like a DTM seat for 2015. And I um I did that shootout, which was also stacked. I think, you know, I remember Sam Bird was there, Robin Freund, um, Richie Stanaway, Jack Harvey. There was there was loads of us. Alex Lynn. Just getting in all the names there of all the people you yeah. beat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. Actually, man, because now they beat me. So you know, once upon a time, we're going to change that. We're going to change that, Tom. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and then basically, I went into DTM uh, on the back of that kind of shootout. Honestly, it was super hard. Uh, I underestimated at first, um, basically because I did the testing. Was always you know relatively competitive in testing. Come to the first race, even my first. Qualifying was was really quite good, um, 
the races were less good um, because it was the first time that I'd like been in a tin top. You know, in Formula cars, you you know you qualify, you do the start, and basically after a few corners, it's settled down. That's kind of all that happens because you know you can't really get close. If you get rubbed, mm. you know the cars are broken. I got to my first DTM race. I remember so clearly. I think I started eighth. I was out the first third corner. I was out of the race. I couldn't believe it. It was like, I it was like smack. I had pits from left, right, everywhere, and I was like, oh god, this is big wake up call. Um, so just the style of racing is completely different. Um, you know, it's very aggressive racing. Um, but the thing that was most difficult, I have to say, was was trying to be consistent. I don't know if it's. Uh, I mean, you see it, especially in. I would say from 2012 to 2000, and, well, until obviously they brought this this second generation um, mm. class one. You know, one guy would be on pole one day, and the next day it'd be like tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Could be anywhere. Um, and that was always the frustration with it is that, you know, you had one good, I remember having, you know, a good weekend and you think, you know, you tried a new setup philosophy, you've done your post-race analysis and you've came up to the conclusion that, all right, we finally, you know, this worked for us. Let's go to the next race. Now we learned what worked here. Let's implement that now at the new, the next track, the next venue, you know, it's going to work. And you do that and you're peeing nowhere again. And you just, you, you always were going in that cycle of, it was very hard to to try and understand how to be basically competitive all the time. Um, and I think that was the case for basically almost everyone in, in, in the field, uh, to be honest. And that was a challenge because, you know, you could have a, one really super strong weekend, um, be on pole, and then like literally even in the same weekend, the next day you're you're just not, not there anymore. Um, obviously it was so competitive. I mean, two temps was like could be the difference back then between first and, you know, 10th, even more, um, which I enjoyed the, the competitiveness, competitiveness of it. But boy, it was so, it was so tough. Honestly, it was really, really tough um, just to kind of understand and, and understand why, you know, why you're kind of like so up and mm-hmm. down, you know, the guys who did well, the Whitman, Rass, you know, they like a few of them really, Managed to understand that consistency and um, and make that work for them. Yeah. But most of the time, you know, it was you just saw the results. It was all over the show. Yeah. Tough championships get consistency, and like you say, now now Christian, let's, let's pop across to you. You, you spent many years in um, a gas guzzling Formula One, and I know you're very active now around sustainability and climate change, and we'll come on to that a little bit later. But when did Formula E first come on your radar, and and what were your first impressions? Um, I mean. The, the typical motorsport is always very incestuous, so you always know people in the other formula anyway. Um, and a couple of good friends who I'd worked with at Renault um, went into Formula E right at the beginning. So I was aware of what was going on. Um, I, I was aware of how much hard work they were having to put in to try and get it off the ground, because obviously getting a new formula off the ground is difficult. But I think I was also very excited that they were doing that. It was obviously very early technology to try and race electric cars. But I've, I think it was quite inspirational for people to see that there was a future for racing electric cars. I mean, now it's, I think it's obvious to a lot of people that electric cars have a big part to play in our future. But at the time, that really wasn't so obvious. Um, so for people to make that step at that time, I think was really brave. So yeah, I was, I was aware of it from, right from the word go. Um, which is unusual in Formula One because Formula One you tend to be very focused on yeah. your own Formula and ignore everything around you. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think it, I was aware straight away they were making big, brave steps. And did you already have that um, climate change head on at that stage or was that something that came later? I think climate change has been obvious since the 90s. You know, as Tom said, I am quite old. And, um, and even in, you know, even with my blinkered Formula One, I only see Formula One. You could see what was happening around you in terms of climate change. Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, 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 in Formula One, we go around the world. We go back to the same country year on year. And we spend a lot of time studying the weather patterns because obviously they make a big difference to how we run the race in terms of tyre temperatures, tyre usage, engine usage, aerodynamics. And, and I could see I was going back to the same country year on year over quite a long period of time. And I could see the climate changing year on year. And I could also see, you know, when you come into land in your aeroplane, you look across and you see that pollution haze in the distance. I could see that pollution haze getting bigger and bigger mm. year on year. So I think it was very obvious to me, you know, even in the 90s, what was going on. I was just under the, the illusion that it was obvious to the politicians and they do something about it. That, that was a mistake I made. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and Tom, same question to you, really. When did Formula E show itself on, on your radar? And, and did you have any sort of preconceived ideas about it? We've spoken to a lot of drivers about this. And I think there was a bit like with it, with any new, very different race series, there's some scepticism in the early days around it. What, what were your first thoughts when it showed up? Yeah, so, I mean, I remember... When was the first year? 14, 15 it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, coming up, and I had a good friend, Antonio, Felix Acosta. Um, so I just joined uh, BMW at the time, and we were we were friends before, and he was, like, the only guy I really knew who was there already. And I remember at the time, you know, even him, I remember him saying, like, no one really knew what was going to happen, right? No one knew how it was going. Um going to evolve i think you know personally i'm going to be honest it wasn't really something that was on my radar um i was like oh that's cool you know it's a new series good drivers seem to be there um but the car there was nothing honestly there was nothing exciting about the cars and you know my mindset you know i just finished formula three at that point i was still obviously hoping to go to formula one um you know, I just came into DTM and I was in like my little bubble. And I think it wasn't, you know, as the years kind of evolved, um, you saw how much, you know, the traction it was getting. And then I would say, <laughs> as I started to earn my own money um, <laughs> from racing, you know, I started to also look, you know, outside of racing in terms of, you know, I'm quite into like, Investing, investments. And then when I started like doing more and more research more on that side of things, you know, I started to really understand, you know, how pivotal the next coming, you know, couple of years are going to be in terms of, you know, the personally the investment horizon um, and the way the world's going and where and where it's gonna be and where it needs to be. And Formula E was almost, I mean, you know the timing of it was perfect. Obviously, they they saw that vision. They knew knew knew, you know that was the goal. Um, and honestly, I believe, you know, the timing of it was was impeccable. And you got to give your hats off to obviously Alejandro and mm-hmm. and his team, um, and obviously Jean Todd and, and the FIA for for persevering with it. Because I I mean there was a lot of 
even like manufacturers, I remember in the early days thinking, you know, this thing's not going to last. You know, there wasn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, the consensus was out. I, you know, there was people saying, you know, it's, it's going to be great. But I think at the same time, there, if anything, it was more that were thought that this thing was going to fail. Yeah. And, you know, I was in the same category. I, I, I was kind of on the fence. I didn't really know what to expect. All I was thinking was, well, you know, at the time, I didn't, you know, find anything exciting about driving that machinery. Wow. You look where they are now. And I mean, it's, it's just, I think it, you don't even have to, you know, answer any questions on it. You know, you can see that the, I would say, the development over the last few years, the whole team behind Formula have done an absolutely amazing job. Um, you know, they've know they've got this this package, but it's not only the, you know, the sustainability side of things, driving electric vehicles, um, obviously that's, you know, the way of the future, short term, um, short to medium term. But it's it's everything, um, you know, the racing in the cities, you know, like even like the social channels, the marketing, everything they're doing is just like, it's so in touch with with now yeah. and the world and the way it's going. And yeah. I think that's the most impressive thing more than, you know, driving, you know, look, I'm, there's a lot of championships now going to start and trying to do electric vehicles, but that's... Yeah. You know, that's one Formula thing, E was the first. Formula E was the first. <laughs> yeah, and, and the exclusive um, single-seater um, provider 20, of it, yeah, which is great. And, and Christian, how do you, as a team boss, with with the way the world has been over the last um, year or so with, with coronavirus and a lot of people working from home for many, many months, as a team boss in charge of a race team, how on earth do you go about your job? Has it made your job incredibly challenging to be at home and not in the factory day by day? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be absolutely truthful, oh yes. I mean, I'm used to, you know, I come from a race engineering background and project management, and I'm used to talking to people all day and interacting with people all day and seeing what's going on. It's my normal way of working. Um, so the fact that I can't just wander downstairs and talk to whoever in the team makes life difficult. So I do spend quite a lot of time. I, I think I'm getting repetitive ear injury at the moment. I'm spending so much of my time with headphones on. I'm going to have yeah. to get rid of these headphones and get something better. <laughs> You've just got to spend a lot of time on Zoom talking to people. I guess much like you guys. Um, just use your channels. Use all your channels available. Telephone, Zoom, WhatsApp, WeChat, yeah. you know, Teams, and just use all you can. Imagine um, what life would be like if this had happened. Yeah. God knows when. When the, all we had was a Nokia and a snake on. Yeah, the, but on your also, phone. Harry. What, one thing I was, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Imagine if this had happened fifty, just fifty years ago, when there, when we wouldn't have found a, a cure or a, or a vaccine. No. I mean, we'd have all been wiped out. What on earth would we have done? It just, no. it, it freaks me out thinking about. Well, it. Well, they did. That's what happened with the flu, wasn't it? Yeah. After the first world war, that's what happened with the flu. Yeah. That, that exactly what they went yeah. through. Unbelievable. It, it, it is difficult. It's made more easy by the technology we've got available to us mm. now, for sure. Um, and uh, and a lot of our systems, we we work remotely anyway. Even when we're at the circuit, I mean, Tom, when he comes in at the end of a run, he's got a whole bunch of engineers in the background talking to him on the headphones. But whether those yeah. engineers are talking to him in at the circuit or the factory or at their home doesn't really make a big difference yeah. um so so we are an industry that's used to working in remote locations for sure um so yeah we work around it a quick interruption of the show to remind you to check out our season five podcast sponsors motus one the event transportation company motus one is the industry leader in complex transportation management from hospitality talent production crews vips and artist transportation motus one's team have you covered 
They've also just launched their leading-edge cloud-based event transportation management system, Motus Ride. Now you can manage your entire event transport program digitally, making bookings, allocate rides, create approval processes, see reports, track costs, and loads more. Head over to motusone.com and hear how they can support your event transportation needs. Moving on to um, more current affairs, I suppose, and Neo three three three. And Tom, I'll just come back to you on this. Now, you, you've you've had you've dabbled in Formula E a few times. You had a few shots at it, and you were called up again for season six at the end in Berlin. Did you first question, I suppose, to you, Tom? Did you see that as a as a big shop window for you? Whether or and and secondly, then to Christian, was that? The, the shop window, were you looking at Tom there and thinking, ah, oh, okay, I've got an idea? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I had a, I had a, a dabble, let's say, in 18, um, the 17-18 season, which at the time was, you know, it was, it was mixed, you know, and I, I kind of had mixed um, feelings of it at the time. Um, the environment, you know, just the way it kind of evolved wasn't, wasn't great. It wasn't, didn't feel right. Um, anyway, that, that, that story kind of came to a, a quick end. And to be honest, like personally myself as well, um, like I just left kind of like a bad taste in my mouth um, in terms of, you know, being there and um, where, you know, I kind of was like, well, I was almost put off um, if I wanted to try and give it a, you know, get back in the scene, um, to be honest. And then, and had a few years, like in in a, well, a year in the states, and and, and kind of in the GT scene, um, and and the opportunity with Jaguar was was really like chance or just random. I mean, one of my best friends actually, um, Mitch Evans. You know, we grew up together in New Zealand. Um, we've basically, you know, been close mates since we're about eight years old or something, seven years old. Um, yeah, he was kind of talking to me about uh, almost helping them on, on more on a, like a, on the simulator side of things and, and kind of back at base, um, like in a sort of development role, you know, because I still, I still had my, you know, GT things on and, and I mean, I think, you know, they were looking around for something to help, you know, on the development side of things on, on the sim and, and helping them with some track side stuff, you know, back at base sort of stuff. Um, and then, you know, James had this clash with, um, with the WEC at the last round of Berlin. And it, it literally, it, it, it moved super fast. It was, you know, at first it was just kind of like come go, come in and, and see how you do on the sim and all, you know, you know, check you out for maybe some work, you know, down the line. And then all of a sudden it was like, uh, we might need you <laughs> to do the race. Um, and it was, it was like, wow, okay. And honestly, at first I was like, ah, I don't know, you know, is it a good idea? Um, you know, I've had no preparation. I haven't driven. I driven. I tested the, the Gen Two car like once or twice with um, with BMW back in 2018. Before you know, the middle of 2018. So I didn't driven the car for like two years. Um, hadn't done much at all with with like being involved really with FE for two years. So I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's it could go really wrong. Like I could just jump in here and just be nowhere because. I know firsthand how tough the championship is, um, how competitive it is. And not only that, it wasn't like jumping into a new weekend where everyone's kind of coming in fresh. You know, they'd been there the whole week. Yeah. It was a, an intense 
intense finale, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they've been there the whole week racing. And I, and I was coming in for the last two races. They'd already done four races. And I was thinking, oh, I could look really stupid here. But then I was like, you know, I have absolutely nothing to lose. Not one thing. You know, if I did crap, that was just, well, you know, I have no practice, had nothing. You know, I, the expectations were, were very low. And I was kind of like, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. Let's do it. And um, so I did some work with, with the team on, on the sim um, leading up to the event. Um, tried to, you know, prepare as much as I possibly could um, with the, let's say, tools I had at the time. And then, yeah, jumped in for the last two races. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, was, was very hard. Um, especially, like, not having raced the car for, for so long. Um, and everything's evolved a lot. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I was fortunate to, you know, jump into a team that had, you know, obviously won races and, and let's say, you know, the car was obviously competitive. Um, I was in group four. That helped. Um, you know, let's say I'd made my life a little bit easier, but still I was a bit nervous definitely before <laughs> before um, jumping and wondering how I kind of went. Um mm. But it went pretty well, and and it obviously went well enough to catch the eye of uh, Mr. Silk. So, so Christian, what was it about Tom that made you think that's the guy we need in our team? Had you been tracking him for some time, and was that the icing on the cake in Berlin? How did it all come what about? We mean, mean other than the massive bribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you one of Tom's investments? <laughs> exactly. You know all that money he's investing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, well. investing in Neo, and it. Well. Like, you know yeah, if you invested in Neo, you did well as well. Didn't you? They've done really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were we a lucky for lucky position to be in because going into season seven, we were almost a little bit spoiled for choice in terms of drivers. You know, there, there was plenty of really quick guys out there you know sometimes when you get to, to change drivers at the end of the season you're looking out going oh I'm, you know i'm going to struggle to find a good driver and and despite the fact that season six had obviously been very hard work for the team and we hadn't been able to show our performance we were lucky enough to have lots of good drivers you know who were happy to talk to us and and we could work with so so that was a very positive starting point from us as a team Obviously, Tom's performance in Berlin did him lots of favours, you know, really did him lots of favours. As I said before, you know, the engineering staff in motor racing talked to each other a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and we'd spoken with people who worked with Tom recently and also engineers who worked with Tom in the past. And um, they all had lots of really good things to say about him, both in terms of his speed, but also his intelligence and maturity in the car. And, and rest assured, these are not easy cars to drive. Um, you know, I, I guess Tom would echo this, both in terms of the qualifying format where you've got to go out and with, you know, you can't do multiple laps to try and get that lap time. You've got to go out on a street circuit, which is going to be difficult on a circuit that's changing condition because it's going to get dusty and nail a lap on a grid that's really, really close. So you've got to nail a lap that's right on limit. You can't keep anything in your pocket. So the qualifying format's difficult, and then the race format's also difficult because you've just got to be so super consistent in the race, driving in quite a different style for qualifying. So it's not an easy formula to drive in, and, and all our feedback and the results we got with, with Tom was very good, very mature, very intelligent, and very quick. Um, you know, if you, 
if you go through his go through wiki and have a look at his background, it's obviously very strong. He's got some really good standout results, round street circuits, which are the most relevant to us because all our racing is round street <coughs> circuits. Yeah. So he really did stand out. Um, we, you know, I hadn't met Tom before. I didn't know him before. Some of the other engineers had worked with him before, but obviously, as soon as you meet Tom, you know, he's a reasonably nice guy. We'll he's all right, that. isn't he? Yeah. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. He hasn't bought me a beer yet, or a oh. rum, actually, which he's still owe me, mate. I just, <laughs> oh, I just want to find that out. These please, bloody, so, these bloody like Kiwi, <laughs> Swedish, <laughs> British driving, hybrids. Are we driving Christian with rum now? <laughs> cases of rum arriving at his doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 on re- it's literally on record now, so you can't get rum, out of it. Start rum. <laughs> don't, 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 don't forget. Um, but but no, I mean, just joking aside, you know, we started working with, with Tom, um, and we, we have, you know, we try and do our DJ, due diligence. You know, we, we work with the guys, and obviously there's an element of how they're going to fit in with the team. Yeah. It's up to us as a team to make the driver feel comfortable. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but a driver really has to feel comfortable within the team to produce his best, and we see that time and time again. And it just looked like Tom would be a really good fit within the team. Oliver and Tom obviously get on really well together, which is important. Yeah. Again, in this championship, it's really important the drivers are sharing information because our sessions are quite short. We don't have much time to learn. So we really have to use both cars to work in parallel together to learn as much information. And it was obvious that, that Tom and Oliver would work well together, which was obviously important for us. Um, and he had previous experience of FE, which yeah. Game really super important. So he, he just ticked so many boxes. And then as soon as we started testing with Tom, he, he did a super good job settled down straight away so it, it was an easy decision for us to make in the long term well that, that's mm. enough of making tom feel warm and fuzzy and and giving him a big <laughs> head and, and now you've done a race yet. yeah now you've got to perform <laughs> yeah. um yeah. we we come to a point in proceedings where um it gets serious um and you are an advantage here um because there's two of you everyone else has had to do this on their own however i will hand over to my lofty colleague to explain to you the next stage of the show yeah. Tom, Christian, welcome to Motor Mouths, the hardest quiz in motorsport. Everybody who comes on the podcast takes part. But you should have an advantage because there are two. And also all the questions, as they are for every person you have on, are normally to do with them and their careers. And this week, I've made them all Neo-specific. So um, if you get these wrong, then, well, I think the the bosses won't be too happy. And they'll they'll, they'll be listening. (laughs) Uh, but you no, can you can work together. You may um, you may now, confer, but no Google. And actually, you're direct rivals for this. So there are 14 points in total up for grabs, and it's actually Alexander Sims and Ooh. Dilbag Gill who Ooh. top the leaderboard. Oh, I'm not so, surprised there. Yeah, so you've really got it. That's that's the mark to beat, really. And right at the bottom is, as everyone always always shocked to hear, Karun Chandok in 30. Well, actually, he's about 40, 42nd position in last. So oh, wow. with with three and a half points. So the aim is for three and a half, and then anything above that is good. Sounds good. Okay. So currently the team is called Neo Three 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 Racing. But can you tell me all of the previous incarnations of the team? Oh, that's a nice starting <laughs> point. <laughs> Nick, Nick, the previous was it previous one? Nick DV Neo. Yeah. Correct. That is one. Yeah. Team um, China was the first one of the China Racing. That's two. Um, we've been next TV what else Christian <sighs> I should have put, should have put the wiki page up straight away <laughs> yeah, so I? I think, uh, yeah, you, What's your Neo, Neo <laughs> let's apart from that one yeah 
apart so I'm looking so apart from the current name, I'm looking for four four others. You've got two of them at the moment. So you've got China Racing and Next TV Neo. There are two more that I have on my list. I thought I heard Christian say one of them. No, it wasn't quite quite right. Were we not Next TV for a while? I don't think you were Next TV on its own. I think there is another Next TV, but I think there was a sort of Which um, one did we say? You no, said, the normal, okay, Neo Formley. Neo yeah. Formley team. Yes, 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 that's three. So I'm looking for one more. You're halfway there. It's Next TV, but there's three letters. Oh, get Neo, out of that. Next TV. Oh, Next TV. Oh, come on. You can see the cogs turning. It's either 333 or nah, Neo, Next TV, it? Neo, or... Oh. Oh. oh, this is frustrating. Okay, I'm going to... Next not, TV... Is that, you'd better not be Googling it. <laughs> He's so Googling it. I'm not it. Googling it, I'm encoding it. <laughs> okay, right. That know. is your time. Your time is up on that question, I'm afraid. So you've got China Racing, yeah. you've got Next TV Neo, you've got Neo Formula E team. And for, for, for a full house, I was looking for Next TV TCR. Oh, yes. Oh, he knew it. He's yeah. kicking himself. Yeah, that before, that, one. that yeah. was before I started that one. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. one. But could, you got um, that two... That one doesn't even make sense. I'm giving you two out of three I don't think any of the points. battle <laughs> no. <laughs> You're lucky we didn't put up all the different um, liveries you've had and make you guess which oh, season. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, okay. Tim's got the next one for you. It's a solid start, though. So solid a, start. That's a good start. This one, I think you may get I think Tom will probably get this one so at the time of recording and uh, and we are in January 2021 how old is Oliver Turvey oh my god <laughs> Oliver Turvey this surprised me I actually don't know his birthday I mean I, I should know his Ooh, birthday because we've, we've given him birthday cards before now so I should know his birthday <laughs> His, ber- his birthday is uh, the first of April. Yeah. If that if that helps. Yeah. Do you reckon he's an, he's like, he's got to be like a 1989. How, how old are you, Tom? I'm born 93. You're 93. Okay. Wow. Well, he's definitely he's older than you. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 No. No. I know that. He's <laughs> he's older than Tom and younger than Christian. <laughs> Thank you for that, Harry. That's You're really welcome. really helpful, <laughs> mate. Very, very welcome. <laughs> I have early 30s in my head, but... Oh. Yeah. I think it's 34 or something, Ooh. but that's it. Is that oh, your no, fi- no, no, no. final answer? No. No, no. no. no younger than that. <laughs> 30... Going to have to hurry you. 33. Yay! There you hey. go. Correct. That is absolutely yeah? correct. Well he done, is Tom. 33 years old. Uh, well, nearly 34, I suppose. But yeah, 33. Well done. That is another three points in the bag. For oh, so we can that. retire now. We're not last. Yeah, You're not, not last. last. <laughs> it's fine. But I mean, you do want to beat the Mahindra guys, I think. So we're going we for We want four. to beat them on track. That's the way. <laughs> yeah, we want that's to beat true. Um, okay. Question number three. It's another, it's going to be another tricky one if the first one uh, is to go by anything. Um, can you. <laughs> This is tough. Can you can you name every driver who has raced for the Neo team since it entered the sports in season one as China Racing? Every driver. Every driver that has ever raced. That I'm looking for nine, nine drivers. Okay, if you nine. can get if you get six of them, actually was that a bit harsh? If you get five, five of them. Five is fair. If you get five of them, you can have the full points. Tom right. Dillman. Tom Dillman, correct. Oliver Turvey. Correct. Oliver Turvey, correct. Ma. That is correct. Luca Felipe. Luca Felipe, correct. Oh, 
One more. Um, Nelson. Yeah, correct. Nelson okay. Piquet Jr. That's your five. That's your, five, but I'm, I, that's your five, so you've got the four points, but I'm tempted to give you an extra point Ooh. if you can get one more to make up for losing a point for the first question. Daniel Lapp. Correct? Yes. yes, well done. Oh, you've got, I mean, you've got the three points in the bag. Can you name them all? Who, who drove at the beginning? Yeah, there was something. Right. Oh, I was reading about Open it. tongue, open tongue. Correct. Yes, open tongue. I, so you you need if you want if you want all of them you're, I need one two, two you're more. missing you're missing two two drivers two these will be really tough to get because they weren't full time and and one of them's definitely faded into the background um, since <sighs> oh right no, no idea did they had some random was it the one of the first year was it that like there was like five different there was loads of different drivers right yeah yeah. I just gave Christian, a massive any clue. Idea? I just dropped a massive I've it, clue. I've got it up on my screen at the moment because I prepared for this, obviously. So I Googled <laughs> it I thought you might. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> just, oh, so you know, you know exactly. So it's down to Tom. Can I knew you what get... you'd do to us. So I thought, oh, they'll ask me questions. I'll, I'll prepare. <laughs> I'll look like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Tom, any clues? Last minute? I don't know without... Okay. Well, you've got the full points anyway. So, and, and actually, an extra point for going the further mass. I'm going to give you four points for that. You were missing Antonio Garcia and oh, Charles Peak. Charles Peak. Oh yeah, I remember him. I remember him doing some. Yeah, yeah he had. A, he scored. He scored points uh, for one of them, Peak, and then Garcia. Yeah. So that was the first. Uh, I think Peak was the second season, and Garcia was the first season. Moving on. <laughs> Question number four. Then I think you'll get this. It's a bit easier. Where was the first ever Formula E race held? China. Correct. Can you tell me exactly where? Beijing. Yeah. Correct. You yeah. can take, take a I'll pretty good guess well at that. Done. I was going to go Hong Kong, actually. Well done. Oh, I thought you had the answers up, Christian. Uh, no, no, I'm, no, no, it I now, that, I'm just too honest. Lucas Degrassi um, loves posting that he won. I think he won the first ever one, did he? <laughs> loves posting. Uh, the first one was the big crash, wasn't it, between Heidfeld and Prost, and then yeah, I think Nelson the was in the lead, but they did it. Oh, was that the, the first race? Wrong. Yeah, well, that was yeah. the first way with the big high, Prost. Uh, one of them cut across yeah. the other, and, and he yeah, flipped over. Yeah, well, that put Lee exactly. on the map, didn't it? Um, okay, for a bonus point, this is, going this is well. your last, your last one. How many podiums has the team achieved in total since season one? Ooh. The first years was quite a lot, no? Yeah, it was quite I mean, a lot in the first Nelson's... year. Since then, it's been one, but yeah, first year, quite a lot. Oh, I have no idea. There'll be more Only on the way. Longer, right? I got... Season four. He won two, because I've just read that. <laughs> Outrageous. So I think we should dock in points. Outrageous. No, but I'm being honest about it. I'm close <laughs> with that. I'm cheating, but I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I only read that he won two. I don't know how many did. I go five, Let's take maybe. Punt. Five, maybe, mate. Tom, are you saying five as well? What do you think, or more? In total? Yeah. Uh, mm. No, I'm going to go with... Yeah, five's a good punt. Six. <sighs> so close. Six. Uh, oh, oh, Harry, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, did you yeah, say six, Tom? I'm sure you said that, six. Then. I think there was a bit of lag on, on the I Zoom. Did, I think that... I said, He's, he was putting his head down, so I went to six. <laughs> you are correct. It is six. Is that a full uh, house? I feel like you should only get half a bonus point for that, yeah. uh, for that you one. You gave it away. So I did give did. it away. So I'm, I'm going to give you half a point because I wanted you to get as close to the Mahindra guys as possible. So that is all your questions. Let me just do the maths because you have done rather well. I think this is going to be at least top three, isn't it? It's got to be. 
Okay, so there were 14 points up for grabs. Alexander Sims, Dilbag Gill, Connor Daly, Brendan Hartley are all at the top with 14-13. Uh, and I can tell you that Christian and Tom from Neo333, you have scored 12 and oh. a half points, which oh. I'm afraid doesn't quite match Mahindra, but it does put you ahead of Brendan Hartley into the top five. So that is a very, very respectable score nonetheless. Well done. Strong effort. Well done, you two. Well, something, I think <laughs> Man, it's time, like, something to build on or something so like that. It's a typical <laughs> team from the time. A promising start promising room for start. improvement. Yeah, I like the one. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. Well done, boys. Now, listen, um, I'm curious to get your take on this one, Christian. Um, Formula E has has come on leaps and bounds. Its Gen 2 cars are amazing. It's, it's some, some incredible tracks. It's had some great manufacturers. There has been one or two manufacturers leave the sport or, or leaving the sport. What does the future long-term look like for Formula E? And do you think F1 bearing in mind you have this exclusivity in electric single-seaters, do you think F1 will fade? Uh, I mean, long-term, the future is very exciting. I think the good thing about Formula E is that the ecosystem works well as a group. You know, the, the FIA and FEO and the teams and the manufacturers talk to each other regularly and listen to each other and act not with their own interests at heart, but also what the championship's interests at heart. And I think that's where we've been so strong. You know, I came from an industry where everyone was always very focused on their own industry, on their own interests, to the exclusion of everyone else's interests. In Formula E, we're much more, how can we look after each other? How can we build the sport together? Because as the sport grows stronger, we all grow stronger. And I think everyone realizes that. So I think that makes it, you know, that makes me very excited about our future. You know, we've we've had a lot of discussions, obviously, with what's happened with COVID um, and lockdowns and, and races been a lot of discussion. And it's been very mature discussion that's looked for the betterment of the good. You know, we've been working together, um, you know, in terms of making it more sustainable, not only financially, but also, you know, globally as well. So that makes me very excited about the future. I think the Gen 3 cars, when they get released, will be very exciting. Yeah. I think the drivers are going to love them. I think the fans are going to love them. Um, and it's, it's when electric racing was discussed, I think, in the early 2000s, we were talking about it in Formula 1. It's where I imagined it would go. Um, uh, I think that's a really exciting future. You know, they're they're going to be proper cars. So that, that makes me very excited about mm. the future, for sure. What was your last question? Well, well whether bearing in mind um, the exclusivity that Formula E has over single-seater racing and then it's in an electric form, is there a future for Formula One? Does, does it eventually become obsolete or, or do you think it will continue to be the pinnacle of racing? I, I don't understand. You know, I have friends in Formula One. I talk to the people in Formula One. Um, I, I don't really understand why the major car manufacturers are going to continue pushing a formula based on, an, on old-fashioned technology when they're not selling any road cars, the old technology. You know, surely the point of motor racing is to advance the latest technology, the latest technology being electric cars. So why would the major motor manufacturers want to push a technology that they're not even selling in the showrooms? You know, the old, the old saying about, you know, race on Sunday and sell on Monday that's still true to an ex- to an extent. So if you're not actually racing the cars that the people can buy in terms of technology, I, I, I think Formula One has got an issue there. I know they're pushing very hard on their synthetic fuels and seeing that as a way forward. Um, 
I'm I'm not sure. I would be worried about that if I was in mm. Formula One at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. That doesn't really make sense. But then again, you have Aston Martin coming in, don't you? It just doesn't seem to to add up. But coming back to Formula E and, and again, looking to the future, to both of you, just a couple more questions before we let you go. Um, looking at NEO and the future of NEO, you know, there's been a restructure over the last couple of years. Uh, we, you know, we had Oliver Turvey score some great results to in the early days of, of NEO. What's the plan for the future? What are your aspirations for not just this coming season, but the long term for NEO? Uh, world domination. Perfect. Brilliant. Love that. Just take over the world. Just just Simple. destroy the world and take it over. <laughs> I, I just want to finish first and second at every race. That'll be absolutely fine for me. Yeah. I, then we, if we can, if Tom and Oliver can flip a coin before the race and decide which one of them finishes in first, which one of them finishes yeah. in second. Yeah. But I'll deal with that issue. That'll be a nice <laughs> problem to have. <laughs> no, we want to keep moving forward. I mean, it, it's interesting. We had a really good Valencia test um, at the end of last yeah. year. It was a really strong test. Um, obviously, we're, we're disappointed that we can't go racing in Santiago this month. Uh, but it's a bit like, you know, Christmas present that's under the tree and I'm not allowed to open it for a little bit longer because I think, you know, Tom, we're super excited, aren't we, to see how the car performs out of the first race. You know, we think we've taken a good step forward and we're super excited to see what that is. And obviously, we're super excited to see how Tom gets in. I mean, we've got to make a team that, that works around him and we're super excited to start doing that. And Tom, what, yeah. what are your expectations for, for the coming season? Well, also, you know, personally from, from my side, um, you know, after doing the testing and obviously, you know, I'd followed the championship. You know, I've got friends in the championship. I've, I followed the championship, although I wasn't part of it for the, for the last few years anyway. You know, I've been watching, I almost watch every race that I can. Um, and, you know, it was clear that obviously Neo was, was, was struggling. Um, so, you know, we... I did first couple of tests with them. Um, you know, I was it was quite fortunate actually for me. Obviously, I did some stuff with BMW with the season five car um, a few years ago now, but also just recently with with Jaguar. And um, I think that was really important um, for me to get that experience um, and just to see also how much how much has evolved since in those two years. Uh, but also, you know, obviously. You know, Evans was was fighting for the championship up until the last, you know, sort of the Berlin thing, um, and I think that was that was really useful for me to see, and then you know, come across to to Neo and and kind of see where the biggest differences were, you know, um, and I think there's, there's, there was definitely quite some areas that stood out almost like straight away, um, you know, last year. In the previous years, you know, the, the powertrain side of thing was obviously Christian knows more. Um, from what I understand, wasn't that efficient. Um, and we've made we've had a we've made a great step um, there um, for the for the coming season. Obviously, you know, Valencia, you sort of t- you know everything was very close. Um, you know, it looks like we made a massive massive step. Um, and now it's kind of all about you know now that we know that we've got an efficient let's say powertrain package. Now it's all the small details that we need to work on, and um, you know, you know, take a little, you know, a percent here, a percent there, um, because we're being so close. Um, you know, those little small things that add up, you know, are going to be super important now, and that's kind of like where we're we're really focusing, trying to to maximize, you know, what we've got and um, you know the people we have, and and trying to to you know improve on all these little small areas. That I, you know, that we believe we we can um, can move forward on, 
And I think that's kind of the goal at the moment because we know we've taken a step on the powertrain and now it's just about getting the most out of that powertrain side of things and, and you know, everyone in the team, give, you know, working as, as hard as possible and, and trying to do their best, you know. And I, I'm really motivated. I mean, that was, that's really a, it's a nice thing to be a part of to, to kind of, um, you know, obviously I'm going to give my best and whether that's, you know, trying to provide, you know, some good feedback, at the same time, obviously, you also, you know, constructive criticism, let's say, and, and trying to, you know, to to bring everything in the direction or, you know, get the results that obviously everyone in the team wants and, and, and thoroughly deserves. So I'm really motivated and excited um, for the season. It's a shame it's being pushed back a little bit. It's kind of, you know, it would have been nice to, to get the ball rolling um, next weekend. But anyway, that's, you know... That's out of control, our control. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of expectations, I mean, I think we've got to be realistic. Um, the grid is so tight now, um, so competitive. Uh, and we're still, you know, trying to to evolve, let's say. And I, I think we've definitely got a lot more a lot more of competitive package. And now we just need to try and get the most out of it and then and slowly bring that. You know, we want to see a rate of development. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the biggest important thing is to, you know, if we get to the first race and we'll find out where we are, and then we just need to try and and um, and, and keep improving. And I just want to do my best that I can. I mean, that's all I really can do. And and hopefully that, you know, results in, in getting um, some good results for the team. And and hopefully, you know, myself and Ollie can can give business. it our all. And, and yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Now, that's great. Now, before we let you go, we have three final quickfire questions which we ask all of our guests. And because there's two of you this time, I'll put the uh, the first one to you, Christian, and then uh, second one to you, Tom, and then both of you for the the final question. So uh, I'll kick off, Harry, if that's all right. So, um, Christian, what's got you excited at the moment? I think the prospects of the first race. Yeah. Yeah. We want to see where we are. Very excited for that first Formula E race. Tom, how much of your success is down to luck and right time, right place? And how much is down to pure hard work? I would say, I would say that's probably 50-50 in my case because, um, and I'll explain why. <laughs> because when I was young, um, you know, like I said, I had a younger brother. He didn't unfortunately get the chance. Um, I don't think that was just, because I was the oldest, I think that was, you know, I was kind of the one who was working on my, in the, in the garage late on, with, on my go-karts with my dad. Um, you know, I was always super determined um, from a very young age and it's kind of been my, everything I do, I, I feel like I'm, you know, I take it, well, I, I, do, I try and do it as best as possible. I, I'm not, you know, if I do something, I do it like full gas or zero, you know, Um but then, you know, I had some tough years. My season, my career started really well. 2010, you know, I just started my first year in, in, in England and I, I, I won the Renault Championship. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I was still super young, naive. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be easy. And then, you know, the funding stumbling block, you know, hit hard. And I tough couple of years. And then literally out of chance, I went to a surprise birthday party in Indonesia on the other side of the world um, and basically got friendly with with the Galile family yeah yeah and literally you know I was basically I don't really know what I was going to do for 2014 and, and literally after a few days of spending time with him his dad was basically like you know we want to we want you to come a part of our team and and we'll 
take you to Carlin basically and, and pay for your season wow. in 2014. And that was literally out of getting an invite to this party. Um, I'd really never met the kid before. Uh, it was just like a random, you know, kind of inviting as many drivers as he could. And basically out of that, I got my season where I could finally show myself in a competitive car. And yeah, one thing. And then after that, I became a professional driver. So Wow, amazing. Yeah. If God. there's anything to learn from that, it's always go to a surprise birthday party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never turn down a party. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a story. Um, yeah. Final question to both of you, Tom. Let's, let's come to you first. What are you scared of? What am I scared of? Um, I think everyone's scared of failure. I mean, failure and then snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> Not With your nice snakes combo. Time. Nice combo. <laughs> <laughs> Christian? Uh, you know the art. I'm going to give the answer to that. I'm just going to say the climate crisis, aren't I? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and it's, snakes. It's, and snakes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the, the climate crisis. We've I run think out it's of something. We, we, we have. There is much more we want to discuss. We're going to have to talk to you guys more another time because Christian is is hugely involved in climate change, not just within the Formula E ecosystem, but well beyond that. Um, so it's it's an area we want to talk to you more about, Christian. Unfortunately, today we we've just run out of time. We've we've right. gas on for far too long but listen it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both on the show I think the format of having two people on works really nicely and having um, team boss and a new driver is a great combination uh, Tom we wish you all the best for uh, season 7 when it eventually does get going and, and Christian if you could, um, all the best for the for the upcoming season and seasons to come um, and hopefully we'll see you trackside soon Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Before you hop off, one final reminder to check out the guys and girls at Motors One, your new transportation solution for minor, mega, and signature events anywhere in the world. Motors One simplifies the complex process of event transportation and provides clients with unrivaled service and support to ensure your event's transportation needs are fulfilled. Check them out today at motorsone.com. And if you tell them you found them through the Motormouth podcast, you'll get up to 20% off your first booking now doesn't that sound good thank you so much for listening to the motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials twitter at motormouth underscore instagram at motormouth underscore official and facebook just search motormouth you can download the motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from mmtv create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.